Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great. I don't know whether I've ever told you this, but um, <laughs> it's a habit I've got into. When you, when I say it's me, Peter, I do like a finger gun at the mic. I think you've said that once before, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. You still still doing that? And it just it, it gets me off on the right foot, I think. Okay. I just, boom, yes, it's me, Peter. Both barrels. Here he is. No, only single barrel. Two I fingers or one, one? No, I use oh. one, one hand. You just use finger gun, uh, singular. Okay, fair enough. Wow, interesting. Well, if listeners want to join in with that as they listen, maybe if you're listening to this in a public place, you can just do a single finger gun at a stranger walking past you. That uh, directly be... in the air, the warning shot. Straight in the air. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. The kind of a point break style. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Oh, good. Well, you sound like you're full of beans. That that cold open it wasn't even a cold open. That that immediate response very much reminded me of three bean salad. Yeah. And recording has begun. Out of one's brain spews <laughs> <laughs> whatever nonsense. <laughs> so we're taking another walk down memory lane, digging through the dusty archives of Drawn to the Flame Towers, and we have another one of our. I was going to say return to. They're not return to. We are returning to another one of our first looks at the Dunwich Legacy. Yes. So we hope you'll enjoy this. And as with tradition, we're going to choose at random. Before which... I before I spin the wheel, I didn't ask how you were, oh, yeah. Frank. How are you? Oh. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, fine. Thanks for asking. No, no, fine. Okay. Do you want me to spin, <laughs> I spin the wheel? <laughs> yeah, spin that wheel. Let's do it. Hey, we're on Seeker. Everyone's favourite gold slash yellow slash orange. I can't get my head around the orange. I've seen it, but it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. Yellow. Saying orange. You think yellow? I, I'm I'm firmly in yellow camp. Ochre. What do you call me? Ochre. <laughs> uh, okay. <Color> ochre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should, 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 should we unpack the cards? I've got I've got the physical yeah. cards in front of me again. Oh yeah, ASMR warning. <laughs> I haven't unpacked them from I think last time I might have unpacked them from my binders but they're in the binders this time okay so it'll be less, a riffle yeah there'll be a, a as I as I flip pages you know what I should do what should I should do? take the sounds that you've put in and edit them out and edit in really absurd sounds like, <laughs> like uh... a spaceship taking up a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a TIE fighter <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah as you turn the pages. So yeah, okay. Seeker. They're, I mean, if memory serves, they're not a very good class. So. <laughs> Dunwich Legacy Seeker was a little played, fairly unknown Rex Murphy, the reporter. Three willpower, four intellect, two combat, three agility, reporter traded. Reaction. After you succeed at a skill test by two or more while investigating, discover one clue at your location. Elder Sign Effect plus two. You may instead choose to automatically fail this skill test to draw three cards. This time, nothing will stop me from getting at the truth. Six health, nine sanity. I realise I've read out the whole card, but we're just doing a a, a brief mention of Rex rather than yes. diving in, in in detail. 
Did we do? Uh, we haven't done an investigate a specific episode on Rex, have we? I think we have way way back in God, the day. That must have been a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, really early on, I think. And talked about things like you know, Rex rewards you from lots of intellect static boosts. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah, and you know, having movement tech so that you can move and just get more clues is good. Yeah. So Rex is the, for a long time, was the only investigator to be tabooed, although there is now a couple of other investigators who've been tabooed as well. And one of the things that taboo did was make that reaction ability a limit once per turn, once per phase, once once per round, limited to just once. Because one of the things that you could do with Rex is investigate three times. This is probably a multiplayer. Get six clues. And, you know, that's a great turn. That's before you've added anything in, like a fingerprint kit or a deduction or any other ways of getting more clues. You just had a built-in deduction as long as you succeed by two or more. So, yeah, very strong, very powerful, game-warpingly so. If Rex could be getting six clues and any other seeker investigator could be getting three, maybe four clues in a round if you're, say, Ursula... Um, or another investigator that has ways of getting extra actions or extra clues, why would you not run Rex? So there was a period of time where Rex was the go-to seeker, I would say. Yeah, and and it's it's there on his card as well, so you don't have to dedicate as much deck space towards additional clue boosting mm-hmm. as you would in, in, in someone else. Or, you know, you can still put it in there and just be all of the clue power that a four-player team needs. Mm. Yeah, which is I mean, also game warping, isn't it? It is, yeah. Two turns to clear off like a three-eye location. Wow. Yeah, shouldn't be that, should it? No. He has a load of curiosities that I feel like get missed. So, for instance, pretty decent defensive stats. And yeah. a really quirky Elder Sign effect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, which I've used on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He also has a signature that is draw cards based on the number of clues you have up to five. So it's a one yep. cost event, draw five cards, which is also badonkadonk. Yep. And again, it's something that I feel like doesn't really get mentioned in the Rex Murphy discussion. The thing that people really focus on is that reaction ability. And it's a shame yep. in a way because he's got these other flavorful elements. He's not as simple as just, oh, he just gets clues. But that kind of gets missed. Inspired by community icon veronica my friend has been playing Mm -hmm. rex in scarlet keys and if you listen back to our episode on concealed Mm. or you know you just played the scarlet keys you know how how concealed works rex has got that like weird quirk of wording which means that if he investigates successfully by two he can expose two concealed cards because his reaction ability isn't uh, an additional clue on top of his investigate Oh, okay. So, yeah, because it's not discover one additional clue. Yeah. So Rex works with clue replacement investigates. Yeah, um, like, like your burglary. Burglaries. Classic. Mm-hmm. But it gives you two separate procs of finding a clue. The fun thing is you can also play breaking and entering in Rex mm-hmm. uh, and get three exposures in a single action. Get a clue, get an evade. Get another get clue. <laughs> clue. Now, I'm pretty sure that breaking and entering was was FAQ'd to say it was one or the other. 
You can replace so, either the successful investigation attempt, clue gathering, or the auto evade with the exposing of the concealed mini card, since these are two separate effects. So only one, one or the other. You can't replace both. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Let me just check. It's unclear. I would say okay. from the current ruling, <laughs> so I'm breaking and entering. Whether they've asked about could I, which one can I use, and they've said you can use either, but they haven't asked can I use both. There is that rule, of course, that you can only expose one blip per effect, but that that's not quite clear here. So I would say at the time of recording, way back when we were recording this, when Dunwich came out, we didn't know. <laughs> Just to try and keep up the illusion that these are archaic episodes. Okay, I mean, fair enough. Anyway, the point still stands with Rex. Having a reaction ability to get clues is really useful. And like you say, I think, yeah, doing things that investigate and don't let you get clues, he could still be getting clues anyway, which just leans into being a really good seeker. Should we dive into the the cards themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We haven't been doing the signature cards, have we? No. No, no, no. Okay, cool. That's fine then. Right. Let me flip over the first page. I think you're going first. First, we have Laboratory Assistant. This is a two-cost asset. Uh, She has a single intellect pip. And she has the ally, miskatonic, and science traits. Your maximum hand size is increased by two while checking your hand size during the upkeep phase. And she has a reaction ability. After laboratory assistant enters play, draw two cards. She uses the ally slot and she has a health and two sanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very fond of this ally. Yeah. I have to think of this ally as coming hot on the heels of the two seeker allies in the core set which were the Research Librarian, another two-cost Miskatonic ally, and Dr. Milan Christopher. <laughs> yes. So hard to squeeze in when Dr. Milan Christopher's around. But this was the, the sort of the first hint we got that the Miskatonic trait might be Miskatonic Academic Army. This yes. idea of a bunch of university students and professors that you would have as a collection and they would be a sort of swarm which is a really intriguing idea is it any good though it's an interesting one it's i think of the academic army type allies she's probably the one i find the hardest to fit into a deck interesting it's it's a weird combination of a kind of temporary like it comes into play effect Mm -hmm. cheap cost and a soak right so you play you get the cards but also an ability, a fixed ability while she sticks around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you could be in the position where you, once you've used the cards that she's drawn you, um, mm-hmm. or any of the cards you've drawn, that's when she becomes disposable. Mm-hmm. So your mm-hmm. hand size has dropped back down again. Yeah. it's. T- I think basically what I'm saying is it's a tough ask to dedicate your ally slot to increasing your hand size. Yeah, which is fair. And I totally get you on pulling in two different directions. I'd go so far as to say as well, as a card draw card, paying two resources and an action and your ally slot to draw two cards is not a great deal. And we'll see more card draw coming up later in this selection of cards. So so yeah, straight away it's not I'm not looking at this as like, wow, this is good draw. She's really she replaces herself and then draws you one card, which isn't great. And yeah, there's a kind of curious combination. I think 
I'm probably going to say this multiple times in this episode, it's the fact that she exists in Seeker that changes that slightly. Yeah. Because Seeker is obviously the home of Big Hand, mm-hmm. and Seeker is the home of getting more things out of draw or just drawing a lot. So it's good that they have a card draw ally. There's a new card draw ally as well, or newish, uh, last cycle. Was this the first card that increased your hand size? I believe so, yes. I can't think of any in the core set that would have done. Let me just remind myself of the core set. I don't think there's anything in the core set that does. No. Here's an off-topic question for you, Frank. What do you think Mm. is the best card that increases your hand size? Dream Enhancing Serum. I would tend to agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) It feels the most effective in terms of number of extra cards you can have in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, theoretically, it could be up to eight. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well... And that's before oh, actually, you include Myriad. Yeah. yeah, before you include Myriad. Yeah, 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 before you include Myriad. I, I think certainly Dream Enhancing Serum has been the card that has enabled me to hold the most extra cards. Dream Enhancing Serum, you have that sort of comedy, here's my hand, it's 15 cards, and it just feels absurd, but hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I, I, think, I think especially when you look at the, what's it called, the funding. Miskatonic Archaeology Funding. She's just nice to have alongside the other cards in that build. She also fits quite nicely if you're doing Chance Encounter things, because then Chance Encounter is pay another two and draw another two cards and have her soak again. So any of the shenanigans around Academic Army that are around bouncing, we're calling in favours as well, bouncing her back to hand to fetch another ally and then playing her again, that's, I think, where the value starts to accumulate. And... It also then makes sense to me that she's not draw three cards because you could start to be really obscene if she were draw three every time she entered play. Yeah, I don't know. I know it's a woman on the art, and I refer to it as she. I mean, maybe that's a lazy on my part. It, I guess. There was one last thing I wanted to mention, which was oh, Charlie Kane. I feel like yeah, it's a nice fit in Charlie Kane. Intellect icon is is fine if if you want to do investigating. Drawing Charlie Kane is very useful. Again, it's not great draw, but it, you can run this in Charlie even if you don't pick Seeker as one of your two secondary classes, which is pretty nice. So there's a space there. I would say, funnily enough, when you mentioned about it's your, probably your least favourite Academic Army card, I feel like it's my number one or two for Academic Army. I oh, feel really? like two Laboratory Assistant and two of another ally would be my starting place art if I'm not going for, for unique allies. Yeah, yeah, Art Student's the other one for me. They would be my first four, and then I think anything else is playing around the edges. A friend played a medical student when I was nearly dead the other day, so um, I'm a medical student now. (laughs) Medical student has now become the number one. Right. Shall I move us on? Let's let's go, yeah. Next we have a one-cost asset, Strange Solution Unidentified. It has a wild icon. It's item and science traded. Action. Test intellect four. If you succeed, discard strange solution and draw two cards. Record in your campaign log that you have identified the solution. By all accounts, it should not even exist. Very strange indeed. Very strange indeed. Do you remember the hype? I know. I was about to say this. This was one of the people went mad trying to decide what it was going to (laughs) do. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think they revealed the card in the Dunwich Legacy preview. So we were really excited about it. We knew about it. And it was one of those previews where it's sort of a meaningless card because it really doesn't do very much. But Mm. the excitement about identifying the solution, what would that mean? 
was it a story related thing was it something that your investigator could do very exciting yeah obviously old hat nowadays there's even a yeah. keyword for it right it's research isn't it yeah researched. researched yeah we can't i don't know how much we can say about this I think we can just say that the trivial we'll things come. that have been said before. One cost is not very expensive. It has a wild icon, so you can at least commit things. But then it's a difficult test, a test four, and you just get two cards. So you've spent two actions and a resource to draw two cards and a test, either. which isn't great. Yeah, And we'll come back to it later on because we did see within Dunwich Legacy that it does get identified. I think it was it, just in terms of the legacy of the card, the Dunwich Legacy of the card, Mm. It's one of the things that really, at an early stage, highlighted to me what interesting things this game could do in terms of deck building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So having cards that rely on how your 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 deck has performed in previous games allows yeah. for a real kind of evolution of your deck over the course of the campaign. Yeah. And I think that's a really satisfying feeling. If anything, that promise has not been particularly well fulfilled in the game and i'm not saying that because i want to complain but just reflecting on it what we saw is that researched is only in a single class yeah and very much does the same thing which is put in a more or less useless lower level card with a view to then getting a powerful higher level card for xp um, with various options do you think customizable then is the yeah yeah and customizable <laughs> is that, is that, is that feels the direction like... you were moving? Yeah, I was going to say I think that's it seems like a step in the right direction to give everyone a card that evolves that they can put XP into to do that. Mm. And in fact, what customizable does that's amazing is no two evolutions need to be the same because yeah. you can you can stop at a certain point or you can change. Whereas with strange solution, you know if you're doing this that you're upgrading into a four XP card. And you know what your choices are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, the other fascinating thing about it was this idea of people including this card in their deck, not knowing, knowing. what it would do. <laughs> yeah. And that was obviously the release model, meaning that we were picking cards and, and not not knowing when the payoff would arrive. And for some people that was frustrating. For a lot of people, I think that was part of the fun. I guess to put it in a more positive light, there's so much scope still in the game for things like that you know similarly giving investigators specific tasks they need to do and then rewarding them with cards in their deck for doing that or we've talked before about what if injuries that your investigator gets actually affect the cards in your deck rather than simply being basic weaknesses yeah that would be fascinating as well there's yeah loads of scope and it's the kind of thing that's really easy to bring in in a digital game and a lot harder to bring in in a physical game without there being a lot of bookkeeping but yeah, yeah. there's lots of room to explore it. Maybe the final nod to scavenging min. You can commit Strange Solution for two wild icons. You can scavenge it back because it's an item and keep doing that. So it, it was an early card in scavenging Ming that I know some people just use just for that in the way that obviously you can't recur unexpected courages. It's, it's reasonable, I suppose. You can do the same with Rabbit's Foot as well. That's a wild icon. Yeah. What's our next card? Well, uh, we've got shortcut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel it's barely worth reading it out. This is a zero-cost event. It is a willpower and agility icon. It has the insight and tactic traits. And it says, fast, play only during your turn. 
Choose an investigator at your location. Move that investigator to a connecting location. You know this town like the back of your hand. This is one of those occasions where saying it's a tactic so Mark can take it is actually actually (laughs) relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is a great include for Mark because we've talked before about shortcut in in a fighter. This is another one where if you'd put a gun to my head, much like Resourceful, I would have sworn it was in the corset. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Such a such an a staple of of seeker, yeah, yeah, and and I think it probably falls into a similar sort of bracket. I'm a well known fan of Taunt, also, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. also came out in the Taunt in yeah Taunt in Dumbledore Legacy, isn't it? And then upgraded Taunt as well. Yeah, Shortcut is just that that action really when you need it the most, and it's mm. an action that can do many things. It's an action that can disrupt turn order. Mm-hmm. Which is very useful. It's an action which it can avoid attacks of opportunity. Because you play only during your turn, but yeah, yeah. But you can give someone a move. Yeah, oh, yeah before sorry, they have their turn. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. the Carson's ability, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, except no, I'm with Carson's. you on that. Yeah, I thought you meant disrupt turn order. Like, oh, I'm going to disrupt the turn order and take my move now. <laughs> and you didn't mean that. You mean you're taking your turn and you go, I'm going to move you first, then I'm going to move me or whatever it is. Yeah. It, that honestly is quite often why we do this. Like, you know, should I go first and move you? And yeah. then you, you've got someone in a location where they can spend their whole turn or um, they've yeah. moved away from an enemy or all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah or I want to go into that next location, but there's an enemy there and you're the fighter. So it's like I push you in first, yeah. then yeah. the enemy engages you, and then I follow you in and I get clues. And I've my turn has been unaffected and you've then already in position to kill an enemy and do whatever else you want to do. Yeah. And then the other the other benefit is that it allows you to avoid attacks of opportunity with mm-hmm. a move action mm-hmm. as well, which is which is really good. You can if you're I mean the classic example is Roland moving into a location with a clue before he kills an enemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obligatory who's Roland joke. On we go. Yes, to- totally agree. Yeah, Hot take, so there's a, a lot. Card. Yeah, and. It's essentially as well, because it's fast and it's free, it's trade a card for an action. And there are few other zero-cost cards that do that. And so that in itself is worth bearing in mind. Even if even if you feel like Shortcut is overrated or it's been too played, it's still worth bearing in mind there are very few cards out there that are simply this card turns into a particular action. And that's useful i also feel like there's a quite a high skill ceiling with with shortcut there's a lot of times where i have it in my hand and it's waiting to find that prime time of where gaining an extra action right now furthers what we're trying to do there's quite a lot of times where like oh and i could move back with the shortcut and i might be about to discard a card so maybe i should do that And it's like no hold keep your powder dry there's going to be a time when that shortcut is really invaluable and it's about finding that moment. Maybe they should change the flavour to you know this scenario like the back of your hand. <laughs> right, next we have Seeking Answers. This is a one-cost event with intellect and agility icons. It's insight-traded. Action Investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering a clue at your location, discover a clue at a connecting location. Some people need to know the truth at any cost. Some truths can cut like knives. Now, worth remembering that in the revised core set, one of the cards they added to Seeker was Seeking Answers Level 2. 
So that's quite neat. If you've done revised core into Dunwich, you get both copies of Seeking Answers, zero and two. So they add Seeking Answers too, but not Seeking Answers? Yep. Because huh. they only added XP cards. So they sort of filled out the oh, XP Oh, of course pool. they yep. did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, did they ask a shortcut to the to the core no. set? But but no, 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 no. levels. They added seeking answers two and Old Book of Law three. That's the two interesting bonus cards. Yeah. So, have you ever used this card to any good effect? <laughs> yes, I've used the card to any good effect. Is probably debatable. <laughs> it, so no. This is a card that combos with, as you were describing, Rex. You can investigate as Rex if you succeed. You don't get a clue at your location. You get one at a connecting location instead. But if you succeed by two or more, you also get a clue at your location. It's a nice little pair. I feel like lots of people put Seeking Answers in Rex when Dunwich came out and yeah. then didn't see it doing very much. Why not? Hand. Why, why, broadly speaking, does it not be employed in an effective manner? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> because I would say similarly, yeah, I've not. It just never quite lands, and it's the, a one-cost event. It seems pretty reasonable, but I guess I guess that the the situation you're positing is not a common situation. Mm. It saves you a move action at best. Uh, sorry, at worst, it'll save you a move action unless you end up having to move to that location anyway. I guess. Yeah, and yeah. one resource and a card to save a move action as a kind of flaw to the ability is not great. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. at, at, at the kind of the the ideal case is quite good. If you've got, if you're on a low shroud location and there's mm-hmm. a high shroud location next to you with one clue on it, yeah, that's been revealed, yeah, and there's an enemy at that location, yeah, suddenly this effect looks really appealing. And that is the ideal. <laughs> That's not the not the reality. But I think the the actions it saves are probably better coming from more flexible cards. So rather than two seeking answers, take one shortcut and one working a hunch, which sort of yeah. combine <laughs> to produce similar kinds of effects. Yeah, yeah, and are more generally useful. I don't know. I'm just I kind of yeah. speculating here. I've not. We, we like to talk about when we don't like cards. We like to talk about why we don't like them to really dig yeah, into yeah. it. And I've not really that's... got into that level of detail with seeking answers yet. And that that's because as well, when I look at seeking answers on the face of it, it doesn't scream to me what a dreadful effect. Yeah. But my experience playing it is having it burning a hole in my hand, never finding it that useful. The other thing I was thinking was, is it also the sort of card that's useful if you're not playing efficiently? And <laughs> is like preempting so people complaining to us. <laughs> no, yeah, Actually, no, no, no. This is really good. Well, we covered that in the episode. You're just not playing. Efficiently. Yeah, you efficiently. Well, I'm not. I'm not aiming that critically at anyone. I'm thinking of you. Think, oh, that could actually be really handy. You know, those times where there's an enemy hunting towards you, and you move away, and you've left a clue behind, and you really want to get that clue. And if only I got it. And then, of course, my experience of playing is don't move unless you really have to. Try and make sure that you don't need to go back to certain locations so clear all the clues as best you can there's a comparable example here we streamed recently a gameplay of scarlet keys and i was trying out breach the door and i was at a high mm-hmm. shroud location i did a breach the door test at the end of my turn so this is my, i own this as my poor play and 
drop the shroud to zero. Great, next turn I can just get those clues for free. The next turn, I then had testless ways of getting the clues that were much more efficient than taking two investigate actions, and I just got the clues. To breach the door was a waste of time. And it's not that breach the door didn't do a good thing. It did. It lowered the shroud, but it didn't give us any value. And I feel like Seeking Answers is a similar-ish thing of like, ooh, I'll include this for the situations where there's a clue at a hard, uh, high shroud location that's hard to get to. And then there's just, there are other better ways of doing that. And or you don't let the situation develop where that's going to happen. Yes. Right, move us on. Bro, okay, we are on to, uh, I've got a plan. What what do I like about this card, Frank? Speech marks. Speech marks. Brilliant. Bunny ears. Yeah. A three-cost three event with an intellect and a combat icon. It has the insight and tactic traits. Where have we heard that before? And this has a bold fight. This attack uses intellect. You deal plus one damage for this attack for each clue you have. Max plus three damage. That's the worst plan I've ever had. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> That's this the worst plan like... I've ever heard. Not ever had. Oh, right. Sorry. I, the... yeah. <laughs> it's in the top I love corner. the sound of the Seeker saying that's the worst plan I've ever had and owning it. <laughs> Something tells me the Seeker wouldn't be doing that. Is this... Would you not... The template not normally be to a maximum of plus three damage. Max three damage feels a bit, a bit informal. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. This, yet another staple, I think, of Seeker... Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this is a, a potentially a contentious card. Should we, should we dive right into the the hot political takes? <laughs> the hot political takes. Yeah, yeah. Can we just contextualize the card first for context of why this is such a big deal? The enemy management solutions in the core set for Seeker were paying lots of resources into hyper awareness to evade, using mind over matter to you, turn your intellect into your combat and agility for fighting for one bips of damage or evading barricade which didn't see a lot of play disc of examiner for discarding an enemy when it spawns so paying three resources and that is kind of it maybe you could argue encyclopedia to giving yourself a boost so notably what i'm seeing in the core set is apart from the disc which is a pseudo damage card and 2xp no ways of doing multiple damage to enemies in seeker yes enter i've got a plan i guess it's it's a bit of a focus for the complaints that seeker as a class is able to do pretty much anything and not only is this an enemy management card in a faction that according to their color pie should be weaker to enemies Mm -hmm. or vulnerable to enemies at least it's also quite a good fight event, just full stop. If there was a card in Guardian, which did four damage. Yeah, for three cost. For three cost. It, it, that's not a bad card at all. I mean, Backstab does three damage. Yeah. Backstab's a very similar card in, in, in some ways. You don't need the clues, mm. but it's mm-hmm. that does give a stat boost as well. No, no stat no, boost. No, no, not, not, no, not level no. zero. Not so, level three either, outrageously. As really? per the shock when I did the Winnie first look. Yeah. The only thing the level three does is I'm, if you succeed just, by enough, it returns the hand. I'm picturing it in my head, Frank, and on the picture of my head, I can see plus two agility. I don't know what you're talking okay. about. 
interesting that you've edited your cards to do that yeah because backs but importantly for backstab that it doesn't have the boost because of chuck fergus so you can get the boost in rogue but you have to combo to do it yeah same same with pilfer but yeah yeah anyway oh well okay man it's a lot easier to just review the versions of cards i have in my head it is a lot easier yeah 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 so yeah it uh yeah it compares very well to fight events in other classes, which are yeah. traditionally very good at fighting. Spectral Razor is another another one. That's what two costs yeah. for two or three damage, and and engage yeah. technically. And this again doesn't compare badly to that card at all. And no. Spectral Razor is a very good card. Yeah, you should have been keeping is, track yeah. of the hot takes, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. I've got a plan is a really incredible card. Yes, people can say, well, look, it's just a one and done. Or what if you pull a tentacle on that test? Absolutely. It's not that this card immediately turns all seekers into fantastic solo investigators that can deal with any enemy they get. No, of course not. But Mm -hmm. I suppose what it also particularly is, I think, is a boss killer to be able to play. And I've got a plan and do four damage. So that's a beefy enemy you're hitting. Or if you're fighting, say, the Ghoul Priest with 20 health in four-player, if you can land a couple of I've Got a Plans and have the clues to get the damage for them, that is doing a considerable chunk of damage yourself, which is really useful. And the other thing about it using intellect, sure, Seekers have high intellect, but also if their main role is getting clues, they also have a lot of intellect icons in their deck. So the idea that you'd have enough icons to commit is, I think, really worth bearing in mind. To compare it with backstab, one of the challenges with backstab and passing an agility fight test is, are you running enough agility icons in your deck? And if you're someone who's also getting clues, say, maybe you've got a lot of intellect icons in your deck, and then you're like, oh, hang on, I now need to pass this backstab test. Back in the day, people used to love backstab double or nothing, but getting your agility high enough to Mm. pass a doubled fight difficulty test is is hard. It's difficult work. So, oh, so, so it's yeah. a good job. Backstab gives you that agility boost as part of it. <laughs> it's a good. Job. You're making me doubt myself. I'm going to start looking no, at backstab. I, <laughs> I think that what's interesting, if if we if we kind of pull the lens back a bit, we will look at some other cards that potentially provide. I, th- I think the sort of criticisms of this card, it it feels good to play it and have it land well as a seeker. Mm-hmm. And you're usually playing it in a situation where things are pretty dire otherwise. Uh, it can take away some of the enjoyment of the game from your classes which are dedicated to being fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I think they've moved away from this style of enemy enemy management in Seeker. But it's weird because there is another enemy management card coming up, which is sort of terrible, but also overshadowed by I've got a plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And But if we look more recently, we've got cards like, say, um, Occult Lexicon... I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, Gaze of Uraksh. Yeah. And even like Grey's Anatomy as well. Mm. Grey's Anatomy works in a far more interesting way. It can sort of. I think it, it, it caps at plus three damage, doesn't it, Grey's Anatomy? It does, yeah. Max plus three. So so it has the kind of same effect. Obviously, it's five XP, but it has kind of the same effect as I've got a plan, but it does it in a way that feels far better and far more seekery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it when it's pulled off, so I think that yeah, that, I don't know whether it's been a conscious decision to move away from that kind of effect, but I definitely think it's kind of helped the flavor of the faction when they've done that. 
Yeah, it hasn't helped with the complaints that Seeker are too strong to move from a really powerful fight event to a lot of Tesla's damage. You've also got the Ancient Stones as well, which does damage when you draw cards. Yeah. So you can, and between that and a Cult Lexicon, you suddenly just become this damage powerhouse. You know, the, the really nice comparable actually is a Cult Invocation, isn't it? Where it asks you to discard cards for a boost and a damage boost. Yes. That starts to then reward drawing cards in Seeker, which is something they're good at doing, and starts to use them as a resource. Which you know, a cult lexicon does as well. But yeah, it's not simply get clues. Now you can do loads of damage. Interestingly, what imagine if I've got a plan was you may drop up to three clues when you play this event. For each clue <laughs> you drop, you deal plus one damage for this attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I mean, obviously, immediately drops in the power level. Probably wouldn't have been a card that people run. Yeah. But would then now have a lot of synergy with other things. Shall I move us on? Yeah, well, look, hopefully none of the rest of the cards are super powerful game warping uh, cards after this one. Do you want to read the next card, Frank? Next, we have a card called Pathfinder. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard of this. <laughs> Three cost asset with one XP pip and an agility icon. It's talent traded. Free trigger during your turn. If you're not engaged with any enemies, exhaust Pathfinder, move to a connecting location. Searches after horror haunt strange far places. That's by H.P. Lovecraft, The Picture in the House. Never heard of him. This never isn't... heard of it, never heard of him. This, yeah. is a, this is a good card. This is a really good mm. card. <laughs> yeah. This is a card that's been tabooed up to 3 XP. Yes. Probably could have done well to be 3 XP. Yes. Yeah. Seems pretty legit. Still good yeah. at 3 XP, but it's it's had the effect of limiting it in my play to game to, to to games to decks which really want that additional movement mm-hmm. yeah it it does nicely mean that that it's uh, tabooed rather than being a 3xp does mean that luke can take it just to add yeah. an extra side of insanity to luke's already super powerful status <laughs> mm-hmm. man i um, want you to play luke again I should do oh he's yeah. so good but yeah. but yeah, it, it it's it's nice to have this. So for like Jack and Ursula, they're still investigators in which I would be really really tempted to pick this up even at three XP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. less so as just like a kind of automatic pick and seekers, which it kind of was at one XP. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, and that's part of the reason for tabooing, right? Why would you not run this card that gives you an extra move every single turn? The whole point about not being engaged with enemies in multiplayer, unless you're a combat seeker, which is fairly rare, you're probably having people taking enemies off you, so then you get the free move each turn, and you can just crack on doing what you do. Again, it adds this feeling of Seeker being able to do everything because they get free moves. You've described in the cast before that, you know, multiple Pathfinders and Tesla's clues, and then you say, now for my first action, you've already had yeah. a turn's worth yeah. of actions. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll shout out another couple of places I really like it. I really like it in Amanda, because Amanda, you might want to be using your action specifically to be getting value out of the card you've slotted underneath her. So saying, right, I need to be in this location because I want to investigate twice. I don't want to spend an action moving. It's great. I really like it in Mandy and repositioning yourself to search so that you can maybe get her signatures, which are called... Man, what are they called? Occult something? No. Uh, 
Occult evidence. evidence. Occult evidence, yeah. No. Something Occult evidence. evidence. Occult evidence. That doesn't sound like it scans. Yeah, it occult is. evidence. I got it right. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And then the last person I really like it in is Joe Diamond. Yeah, and if yeah. you've seen on the top of your hunch deck, like, ooh, I really want to get uh, a clue this turn. I need to be here. Or, you know, just using it to reposition is great. So, yeah. Super strong Move- card. Incredibly yeah, I mean, strong. I think we did an episode on movement a little while ago and mm. how it's it's good. You know, some casts have that thing of they have like a database or a, re- a spreadsheet that records what they talk about in each episode. Yeah. If a Do listener they? wants to go back through the like the full... 280 <laughs> episodes and record which cards we talk about when i would imagine please don't do that but i would imagine that pathfinder is one of our most mentioned cards really i think so because even like you described with luke like when we did our luke specific episode i'm sure we talked about the strength of pathfinder in luke to reposition and so on and so forth i can think of other investigators where you maybe want to be at a location with an enemy to get a clue or something like that Pathfinder gets you in position, obviously not while you have the enemy engaged on you. But yeah, so on and so forth. There's so many great options for running. I mean, like Leo De Luca. This this is probably the comparison we made before. Leo De Luca gives you an extra action at a cost of six or mm. five if you spend the XP, and he's unique, and he takes up an ally slot. Pathfinder yeah. is not unique; it doesn't take up any slots, and it only costs three. So you can run two of them. Slotless is just... There we go. Okay, should we move on? I think Pathfinder is good, but relatively straightforward. It is, yeah. Okay, next we have Art Student. Mm. And she is another two-cost asset. It is another two-cost asset? You've done the same as me, interesting. I don't like like referring to allies as it. Unless it's like a ghost. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Art student, two-cost asset, single intellect, icon, ally, miskatonic, traits. Reaction, after art student enters play, discover one clue at your location. And she is also one health, two sanity, and uses the ally slot. Pretty straightforward. I think she is pretty straightforward. Yeah, very straightforward. It's sort of an action, if like a <laughs> like a working the hunch staple to a an ally. <laughs> To a body. Staple to, <laughs> to some soap. You know, yeah. if if you would play working a hunch, but then it it spawned a blank one-two ally mm-hmm. that cost an action, would you play it? And I guess that the, it's it's the synergy with other ally effects. Cards that mm-hmm. put allies mm-hmm. into play or recur allies and things like that. Yeah. That's kind of where you want to go with Art Student, I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like what we said about you know, the calling in favours, the chance encounter stuff, really chimes nicely with Art Student because it then turns into a amazing recurrable getter clue, and that's really nice. Really like Art Student in Charlie because Charlie has one intellect, so playing Art Student get a clue, and then you've also that takes your intellect up to three if you're exhausting the Art Student, which isn't great, but it's a starting place. You know, between art student and laboratory assistant, you've drawn two cards, you've got a clue, and you can investigate at a five once a turn. Pretty good for a couple of resources. Yeah, I yeah. don't think there's much more to say about art no, student. We sort of talked about the 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 style of Miskatonic allies. We've talked about those a bit already. So yeah, I'm happy to move on if you are. 
Yeah. Oh, well, the other thing as well is there's no reason to keep Art Student around once you've played it unless you're doing some recursion. So that yes. also means that you can just, like Research Librarian, the Entis play effect is done. So you don't have the confusion that you have with the laboratory system to vote, but I need the hand size. It's like, great, fine. Off you go. Thank yeah. you for your help. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> We're done here. Next we have Deduction Level 2. This is a 2 XP skill with two intellect icons. It's practiced and expert traded. If this skill test is successful while investigating a location, discover one additional clue at that location. Two additional clues instead if it succeeds by two or more. I knew I'd seen this symbol before. I must warn the others before it is too late. Is this also in the the new core set? Deduction Zero is. They've done an updated two. art for Deduction Zero. Yeah. So you'd have Deduction Zero and then upgrade into a different art. Yeah. Oh, Which cost, that. as you know, an extra six XP. <laughs> yeah, brutal. It that's a that's a joke. Sorry if you're a new player. It doesn't make a difference <laughs> with the art changes. So so. I can I share something that a local player told me about this card, which kind of stuck with mm-hmm. me about it. I think it was a, it was Dave, but it might not have been Dave. Um, shout out to Dave if Dave's listening. In a way, if you're using this to get two clues, it doesn't add any icons to your test. Mm-hmm. You so, said this on the cast before. Oh, have I? God damn it! Yeah, we've run out of ideas, Frank. That's it. Back it up. <laughs> yeah, because the difficulty goes up by two. Yeah. So the two icons immediately cancel themselves out. Yes. But I don't think that's a negative point against the card. It sort of does... No. It has... It means the card does two things. It can make you more likely to pass a test Mm -hmm. by two icons. Yep. Or it makes you get more clues with a single action if you're Mm. at a kind of achievable uh, shroud location. Mm. It has the additional wrinkle as well of that you might not depending on player count, want three clues. So we've talked about this before, but in two-player at a two-eye location, if you get three clues and then don't have a way of getting the final clue fast, it's the same actions to just get two clues, two clues. But there's many different ways of playing around that. I don't think that's a reason not to run Deduction 2, by the way, but just player count does make a difference. And particularly in three-player, this is a single card to clear an entire location if it's one-eye, which is great. So... There's an extra wrinkle there that adding plus one clue isn't always what you need. I don't. I think I'm already getting cautious as I'm saying this because I remember you not being very happy about me saying that. Yes. What I was going to say is these these two XP kind of core skill card. They're always just such an easy upgrade. Yeah. It's like you, you put them in. You put deduction in your deck. You put vicious blow on your deck, and you think, okay, cool. Well, I know at some point when I've got four XP, I'll upgrade both of these. Yeah. It's just such a kind of straight efficiency upgrade Mm -hmm. over what your core deck is able to do. And interestingly, the upgraded neutral skills from the core set, perception, overpower, etc., they get an extra icon when they go up to level 2, so they become three icon cards with a succeed by 2 threshold. So they do a similar thing to what you just said, said about if you want the three clues with deduction, the icons don't actually help. In that if you want to draw two cards with perception, you're getting a plus one. But if you want to just draw one card, you're getting a plus three, which is intriguing. Yeah. 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 Should we move on? Okay. We have a preposterous sketches. It's a two cost event. It has 
uh, willpower and an intellect icon. It has the insight trait, and it says, play only if there was a clue on your location. Draw three cards. Mm-hmm. And they're all gnarly hands on this on this art. Gnarly hands, elder thing, yeah. I think, did, did we figure out that the hands are from a different bit of art, from a different game? Oh, really? I think the, I think the hands were on a, a Call of Cthulhu card with a different bit of art underneath. Oh, okay. The ring Could finger on Could the right wrong. hand is yeah. so strangely squint. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually feeling a bit sick looking at it. <laughs> I'm going to look at the card text. So, notably, this card can turn off. There are certain scenarios that simply don't have clues on locations. There are other scenarios where clues are removed or where you spend those clues so it stops being useful. But most of the time, pay two, draw three cards. So you're spending two and a card for three cards. We've talked about this before in terms of are you willing to trade resources for cards? And generally speaking, Seeker's happy to do that, that more cards is good and more cards will get them more resources anyway. So it's a pretty decent card. I feel like this... I ran this a lot in solo as well as a card draw card. It's level zero. Anyone who can splash Seeker could take this. It's kind of decent, I'd say. We know from the core set that there's Cryptic Research, which is zero cost, fast, draw three cards, but four XP. So you're essentially losing an action and two resources if you want to do preposterous sketches instead. And I can see that as a nice... If that card is four cards or three XP or three cards or four XP. Yeah. It's 4xp, so, three cards. 4xp, three cards. Which, again, shout out to, to Rex's, Rex's signature, which is draw five, which I think yes. at the time it came out, I didn't appreciate enough how much that is an amazing effect. And yeah. That means if you were to do an Ancient Stones Rex build, you could play a single card and deal five damage to an enemy just in one go, which is obscene as far as I'm concerned and yeah. really cool. Anything you want to add about preposterous sketches? I mean, the only thing is that Joe likes it, right? Mm, oh, Beautiful yes. card for the hunch deck. Hunch deck. Mm-hmm. I also quite like the theme on preposterous sketches. It's always been something I really liked. Just spend some time just doodling. <laughs> With <laughs> loads, loads of ideas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can only spend time doodling if there's information on your location that's going to inspire you. Which yes. gives us, again, that insight into what does a clue mean to a seeker and what does it mean to drop a clue as well which is a topic for another day we had a really good chat on our discord about what does the butterfinger style represent when you're dropping clues which i thought was really interesting next we have higher education this is a three xp null costed asset talent traded it's permanent while you have five or more cards in hand higher education gains free trigger Spend one resource, you get plus two willpower for this skill test. Free trigger, spend one resource, you get plus two intellect for this skill test. The idea that there was a day where this card cost three XP is absolutely bananas to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Idea that there was a day that people said, well, you do need to have five or more cards. Five or more cards. So there is a drawback. <laughs> this is absolutely monstrous, this. Yeah. Street, streetwise is bad enough. But higher education is just so good. Mm. One of the things it does is it the ability it gives you helps you get to the threshold that you need to be at to be able to use it. 
By which I mean, if you're able to just spend a resource and get plus two intellect, you're you're probably not committing a card to get the plus two as well. So you're keeping cards in hand, which feeds into higher education. I remember my face check campaign for Dunwich was as Rex. Mm -hmm. So with Doctor Milan, Doctor Milan, yeah. So you'd be like, I'll use Milan. Uh, I'll, I'll investigate. I'll put a resource into the test. Plus two skill. That's me up to seven. Yeah. Because I've got Milan and plus two. Oh, look at that. I've passed by two. I get two clues. I get a resource back. I'll do that again. Next mm-hmm. action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've taken three tests at difficulty at, at, at skill value seven and mm-hmm. got six clues and not spent any resources in my deck. And that's. Yeah. That's for three XP. Total uh, package, three XP. Yeah. And you've had to yeah. find one card in your one deck. One card in Milan. Yeah. And even then, I, I ran Burglary in that deck as well. Mm-hmm. So you could Just do, in like, investigate, get four resources if you needed resources. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have Milan, you could put Burglary down, investigate, get a clue, <laughs> and four resources. <laughs> uh, three resources, sorry. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, four with Milan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah almost. Had, well, <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. So instead of having Milan, you could use Burglary, and then if you had both, you were just like you had infinite money. Yeah. So then you're yeah. like, oh, an enemy's appeared. Well, I'll guess I'll spend <laughs> some of this this endless money I've got on. Uh, I've got a plan. Ooh, a scary willpower treachery. Exactly. Sure, I'll be a nine on three. Yeah. Yeah. There are some notable fun interactions with this. So mm-hmm. the willpower boost does turn on spell slinging Daisy. Yes. Daisy has access to spells, but only three willpower. But with higher education, in theory, she could be using the Milan engine to be funding being able to be a proficient spellcaster, which is kind of cool. I'm not sure there are many other seekers who care too much about boosting their willpower, but willpower does seem to be a stat that seekers are reasonable at so having a way to boost it is no bad thing you know if they need to say oh we need someone to pass this willpower treachery to do a thing in a scenario the seeker could do it so i think that's worth bearing in mind yeah it's certainly at the time as well where it there was less flexibility in how you build a mystic Mm -hmm. and probably less so in how you build a seeker as well I'm interested in what a, what good Daisy decks look like these days. What cards are Daisy decks packing? I played Daisy a lot around this time, yeah. through the first yeah. first cycle or so, uh, and in the core set as well. But we I probably have fairly calcified really... views, yeah, yeah, of what does Daisy yeah, look like. Actually, yeah, I think Parallel Daisy's made a made a bit of a difference in that as well. So, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe one for us to have a ponder on. I think there's probably yes, some really yeah. fun decks you can build using that zero to two. There've been more and more tones over the years. Well, there's not got any zero tones, right? Law. Yeah, exactly. So there's all sorts of things where maybe you don't run shortcut because you run otherworldly atlas. Is that what it's called? Uh, One of the many otherworldly codex mm, grimoire. Are you thinking of esoteric atlas? Esoteric, not otherworldly. It's otherworldly codex and esoteric. Yes, that's, that's the encounter deck one. Yeah, which also I love, but separate thing. And you've got Witten Green and Abigail Borman as well, both of whom yeah. are interacting yeah. with tomes. Yeah, it's not the Dr. Milan thing. But yeah, higher ed. I, I mean, the other thing I would say, I stopped playing higher ed before Taboo came out, not saying that to, to brag or anything like that, but I didn't particularly find that style enjoyable. Because it 
started to feel like there wasn't much point in like I would have five blank cards in hand. Yeah. And then once I had the Milan thing, like I saw the power of it, I liked the power of it, I've played with it and and alongside it, but to me it started to take some of the fun of actually making meaningful decisions out of the game. That's a shame in a way. Like it's such a powerful card. It probably on the on the graph of between power and fun, it's so far one way that for me it detracts from the fun. And not I'm not saying that, that other people wouldn't find to be really powerful fun, of course they would. But just for me, it, it ceased to be that interesting. We, we are going long, so it's with yeah. a sense of... Let's move us on. Well, no, I was going to ask you a question about okay. higher education, <laughs> but with yeah. a sense of trepidation. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, how would you balance it in terms of making it feel like it was fun to play? Do you think that there's a limit... Is it possible? Yeah. Well, do you think that there's a point at which cards in hand, the cards in hand clause becomes kind of acceptable as in if it was seven or eight cards in there yeah 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 well and we've seen you know a card like farsight if you have eight cards in hand you get an action every turn Mm -hmm. is one that i barely see around the place that's obviously a very strong ability but to be at eight cards means you're probably doing something around having a larger hand size and that holds back some people although i think farsight is quite a potent card is it also the ratio? We've talked about this before. Is it the ratio of one for two is so generous among the, the five Dunwich talents? What if it was two for four? I mean, yeah, that's it's still very generous. Two for three, maybe. But then it starts treading on Streetwise's toes. I mean, I understand where the design came from. They wanted five different talents for the five classes. They wanted them all to boost in a slightly different way and do something that was slightly different. And unfortunately, Seeker has got the really powerful one. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they they go on a a pretty strict sliding scale of ratio of costs to boost. Mm. So higher high education being the best, followed by Streetwise, with yeah. Scrapper next, and then uh, Keen Eye being the worst with Blood yeah. Pact as a kind of wild card. Yeah, because it's Doom. Yeah. So they, they go in a very strict sliding scale of of investment to, to, to boost, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe it says something about the, the granularity of the resource system. If, mm. if resources mm. were, were more plentiful and cards in general were more expensive, maybe you could balance these with one resource either side or yeah. one stat boost yeah. either side. But that's not not the kind of game we're in, unfortunately. The other thing is, the composures all just have a one-for-one ratio. And the fun with the composures is finding the fit for them and keeping them around. Imagine if all of the Dunwich talents were one-for-one ratios, but with a condition. And the condition to trigger being the thing that was the play around. So if higher ed was one-to-one ratio, willpower and intellect, you need six cards in hand, say that is a step in the right direction. And then what you'd need to add is a, a condition to... You'd make it one-for-one, one, probably... I mean, one-for-one one makes Streetwise useless. <laughs> but <laughs> you'd, you'd need some condition, I suppose. One-for-one one is already what's on Scrapper, and no one feels like it needs a condition to make it less good. So it's a curious one. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Listeners, write in if there's a way you would make higher ed fun. Okay, next we have Uterid. I thought that was the name of the card. Mm. Uterid? 
Right, we've got Inquiring Mind. Uh, this has uh, it's a skill card. It has three wild icons. Innate. Commit to a skill test only if there is a clue at your location. If we wish to learn, we must first question everything we know. Mm. Good card, I think. One of my favourite pieces of art. Really? I think that's Urs- Ursula, right? Yeah. Huh. It's the... It, 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 no, it's generic seeker art, but I just think it's kind of a, a slightly more interesting pose of actually looking at the bookshelf than just sitting with a book. Yeah. I just like it. I think it's cool. Hmm. It sums up what I'd like to be if I'm a seeker. I like the sub-theme that we're seeing emerge of seekers caring about clues on locations. And I enjoy that. I like I like that the classes might have things that within the game they care about that no one else is really bothered about. And for seekers, where are the clues? Are the clues here? If there are, I'm powered up. Or if I have clues, I'm powered up. Is something I enjoy. This is a really lovely, powerful card. I really adore it in solo because... You can control whether or not there's a clue on your location because you're the one getting them. And it's just a really decent boost. And I think it's particularly nice in Seeker where you might want a nice big boost for one of your weaker stats, one of your physical stats to deal with an enemy getaway. But then you can also use it to play into, wow, I really want this. I've got a plan to land or I just need a a big boost to pass some random test. So, yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'll just add, yeah, I've been in a situation where it's it's run out of effectiveness because you've picked up all the clues. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think just, just, just a good card, really. Rave about it in Amanda because it sets her stats to five for a, for a round, which is just pretty good. Are there any um, shenanigans around it? I don't think there are, really. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Right, should we move on? Yeah. Uh, is, is it me? It's me. Is it, did I just you read? Just read oh, you wow. just read you to read. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go for it. Next, we have expose weakness. This is a zero cost event Yay. for one XP. Intellect and double combat icons. Seeker's been crying out for combat icons. Insight traded. Fast play during any free trigger player window. Choose an enemy at your location. Test intellect X where X is that enemy's fight value. For each point you succeed by, reduce that enemy's fight value by one for the next attack performed against it this phase. Ring that bell for difficulty zero. (laughs) Important new Scarlet Keys player cards concept, dropping difficulty to zero to then trigger something like exploit weakness, which, I mean, the story being told, first I will expose the weakness and then I will exploit it. A little two-card combo. That's a thing. Are you aware of the, the the reference that this card is making, by the way, Frank? The reference I'm making is that any boss fight where you can then see the glowing weak point. But is there a more specific reference than that? Well, I believe there is. Uh, there was a, um, a, a demo in the kind of mid-noughties at E3, I think, where um, there was a game, uh, Genji 2, I believe, Mm-hmm. Um, someone was saying, "Oh yes, the, the the battles in this game are based on on real historical battles that happened." And when that happened, uh, as as they were saying that, a huge crab <laughs> monster <laughs> appeared. Um, the the enemy enemy boss known as Giant Enemy Crab appeared, and I think right. the text that accompanied the game was something like, "You can attack weak points for massive damage." Ah, okay. 
So, yeah, so the crab yeah. and attacking the weak point for massive damage are, re- are specific kind of noughties era meme references. Uh, okay, okay. Which is pretty on brand for Maxine, I think. <laughs> very, yeah, I was going to say very on brand. Right, can I ask you a question, Frank? Yeah. Ignoring exploit weakness, why yeah. would you play this rather than playing a card you can commit to the test? You would play this if you're going to drop the difficulty by more than you can commit. Yes. Or that you're going to drop the difficulty to zero, at which point one doesn't need to commit anything because there's only one token that will fail you. Yeah. That would be my answer. Do you think either of those situations are worth putting this card in your deck and spending an XP for it? Unfortunately, no. I mean, I have just been playing Exposed Weakness in Solo Daryl deck with Exploit Weakness, and I have fired it one time in a campaign, and every other time I saw it, I wished the one XP was something else. Yeah, like deeply wished. Man, and do you think? With, and that's me trying my best as well. I'm putting it in the deck. It's not that I'm yeah. slating it and refusing. And I was glad to be putting it in. I was like, yes, maybe this is the home for it. Mm. Do you think that this card would be better if it was? For the rest of the turn or the or the or the yeah. round, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it should attach to an enemy, and maybe imagine maybe if it's... it was light breach the door. Yeah, for each point yeah. you succeed by place a resource on this card. You could even do something really playful as well, of like it attaches to the enemy, and each time it's hit, you remove a resource. Say, uh, yeah, so... or, or each time the enemy attacks. Oh yeah. yeah. If the enemy attacks, it either discards this or removes a resource or something like that. So yeah, it's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's it really shaking cool off its weakness exposed. The other thing, weirdly, that really frustrates me about this card is that it has all those icons. Yeah. And I don't want to spend one XP for an intellect and two combat icons. I'd prefer this had no icons or just a single intellect better. icon <laughs> and was better. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, you can just commit this for plus two combat. It's like, why am I spending one XP when I could just run overpower if that's really what I need? And overpower is normally going to get me to where I want to be. There is another combo for it, which is you expose weakness, then set up double or nothing. Because a zero doubled is still zero. So that you can, again, you can do a play where the seeker's like, ah, oh, I dropped this five fight enemy to zero. And then the rogue is like, ah, oh, double or nothing, backstab, just done six damage. And you feel great. But what we found is that there are normally easier ways of doing that than setting up that play. And that play requires the Seeker to pass a test. Seeker should be good at passing a test. But with every test you add to getting that combo to trigger, that's another possibility for the tentacle to fail you. Yeah. So, yeah. Alas, with great regret. Just use the teleporter. Yeah, right. exactly. Maybe I should turn up to an event with like an exposed weakness deck. And just <laughs> Can you imagine this? Exposed weakness recursion. Yeah. And actually an event might be a good spot for this because events often the scenarios go long and you might reach a point where the fighter is tapping out in terms of mm. like, oh I've got no more boost left or oh, I could nearly do it but I just need to and having things like that where the, the non fighters can say, Well here, here's a boost for you or here's another pip of damage. But yes, okay. Anyway, moving on. It seems like we've gone long, but we can do the next three cards in one fell swoop. Yes, and then there's only two more after that, I think. Yeah. Okay, we have Strange Solution Restorative Concoction. So one cost, four XP asset that has two willpower icons, and it has the item and science traits. 
You can only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from strain solution, unidentified, and only if you have identified the solution in your campaign log. Uses, four supplies. Action, spend one supply. Heal two damage from an investigator at your location. Do you want to read the next one? The acidic icon has two combat icons. It has three instead of four supplies. An action, spend one supply, fight, attack with a base combat skill of six. This attack deals plus two damage. Notably, this has been tabooed to plus one damage recently. Yes. And then we have Freezing Variant, which has two agility icons instead, and then has the action ability, action, spend one supply, evade. Evade with a base skill value of six. And that's a four supplier as well. Yes, they're all four. Oh, no, no, sorry. Yes, a Civic Icor is only three supplies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what do you make of these? Which ones have you used? I think I've used all of them or played opposite some the, the someone using them. The one that we that was most popular is the acidic eye call. And wow, yes. fit that into the context of we didn't mention that when we we're talking about damage options in Seeker, but That's right, yeah. To have a four XP card that essentially does nine damage and helps you with the fight, probably giving you a plus four to the fight is <laughs> is pretty powerful i've seen restorative concoction because i was playing opposite someone who used shrewd analysis and it got them yes. restorative concoction but actually we were playing where there was um hunting shadow drop a spend a clue or take two damage and restorative oh, yeah. is is pretty nice to deal with that yeah. an action for heal two is is okay you know it's you'd be spending an action to heal two with, say, second wind. So, yeah, this gives you lots of versions of that, obviously, 4 XP. And then Freezing Variant, I've seen... I think I tried this in Solo Seeker at some point, and evading at six is, is pretty good. And I think it's probably the one that I'd most likely to revisit because I've become more and more fond of evasion and less and less fond of killing things as I've played the okay, game. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just it, most enemies, if you can just evade them and leave them, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. In solo, I mean, like, say you're seeing five or six enemies in a scenario, you can probably get away with evading at least three of them. Aesthetic so, yeah. Icon does seem very, very good. It's, yeah, it's, it's no, yeah. no slot either. <laughs> None of them. Using yeah, a slot. no slot. Yeah, is, you can recharge these with emergency cash three as well. So that's also good. They're all items. They, the slot means you can't discard them by overwriting them but they are items so if you're doing any kind of scavenging or item recursion that's good as well if you're doing something like backpack you can find them with your backpack which is great so there are ways of tutoring them you don't like the strange solution because you're not that interested in weird science is that right the, the weird science cards that just kind of clash with my theme of the game um <laughs> but you know they, i mean yeah yeah same with the lightning gun but you know people People enjoy playing them. They, they are good cards. Yeah. I can't, especially mm -hmm. Acidic Eye God. It's a very good card. Um, yeah. And I think it only adds grist to the mill. Is that how that I use that phrase? Mm -hmm. uh, for the, the accusation that Seekers can do everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you just upgrade into that and you're. Yeah. So there is new science. Like, science is, is a much more popular trait as of Scarlet Keys with alchemical distillation, empirical hypothesis, dissection tools, research notes, bizarre diagnosis, and lab coat. So the it's definitely. Yeah, and off. surgical kit, actually. The science thing might take off. And Kate Winthrop is the scientist. So yeah. potentially 
we're seeing that keyed up that Kate's coming next. Maybe not, though. Could be a red herring. It's a it's a bit of a disparate trait, I would say. It's sort of spread across various classes and there's different things. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're powerful. I mean, the one cost as well is just so generous, I think, to get down these sort of big bomb cards. 4xp is the bit that's the hard ask. And particularly with shrewd analysis, it gets a little bit awkward if you really want a Sidagai core and you do shrewd analysis into, I don't know, a freezing variant and a restorative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one other version as well, which is worth acknowledging. That came we, out in return in... to. Yes, and that's the empowering elixir. It has three supplies, and when you spend a supply, you exhaust it, which is interesting. Yeah. And you choose an investigator location to gain two resources and draw one card. It's an easy mark. Yeah, an easy mark. It's the style of seeker that I feel like is underdeveloped, which is support seeker. And we see it as well in things like, I was going to say alchemical transmutation, but it's not that. Alchemical distillation. Yes. The, the different distillates to like give out healing. There's also um, in Edge of the Earth, there's Gateway to Paradise, which is healing people. And yeah, I'd like to see more of that in Seeker. In a way, I wouldn't mind if they lost some movement tech and lost some damage options and had more of that. And that would be a good area for the color pie to be expanded for them. But Yeah, yeah. Okay, next we have Dr. William T. Mallison working on something big. One William T. Brinkley, more like. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like me. Not yeah. according to your wife. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wild power icon, ally and miskatonic, so joining the miskatonic army, but with a unique miskatonic ally like, like Milan. Reaction. When you draw an encounter card, exhaust Dr. William T. Mallison and place one of your clues on your location. Cancel the drawing of that card and shuffle it back into the encounter deck. Then draw a new card from the top of the encounter deck. We normally rattle through the bit at the bottom of the card, but listen to this. For one cost, two health and two sanity, and takes up the ally slot. Yeah, he's... he's, I think initially everyone was keen on Mallison for the, the soak, right? Yeah, he's super efficient in terms of soak. One cost for four total soak. That's still a good ratio today. Yeah, the the Butterfingers uh, archetype is a bit more developed as well. So his ability, I think, has gone up a little bit in stock. But I think yeah. I don't think his ability was. I don't know whether Maxine tried to trick us into playing Mallison by making him so cheap for the soak. So we mm. all played him and then started to use his ability and learned that that was good. If your encounter card is one that's gonna tax you more than one action uh, and you think that you can draw a new one which isn't going to tax you more than one action then mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a decent trade-off right you can mm-hmm. put the clue back up and you're not dealing with potentially a, a crippling weakness yeah particularly also if you're drawing anything that's going to be difficult for you to deal with an enemy yeah enemy yeah because it, it, it's it's not cancelling the revelation effect it's not a treachery it's encounter mm-hmm. card yeah, I think it's I think it's good. I definitely think he got a glow up in his level two version because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's a lot of additional um, options in that version. You know, you you draw a card and then you drop the clue, and you draw a second card, and then you mm-hmm. pick which one you want. So it avoids the ability of where you drop a clue and then you end up with the worst treachery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not gonna get in in be in a worse position than you were. And it discards the additional treachery. 
so rather good. than shuffling it back into the deck for two really XP. Good. Yeah, Mini Gloria. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. You just dump those ancient evils into the bin. You yeah, have to deal yeah, with it. Really nice. Really nice. I I agree with everything you said. At, at level zero, where this is particularly strong in solo is that card that you really can't handle now. For instance, you've just killed a big enemy and the next mythos you draw another enemy and you're like, oh, I'm just, I feel like I'm always behind here. And you can gamble, I drop a clue, I can pick the clue up again. All I want is a treachery that's just going to damage me or horrify me. I could even do with an Ancient Evils now. I just want a bit of breathing room from enemies. And that's the time when you use it. Or even draw me an enemy that, is not going to spawn on top of me, and I'll be able to deal with that in a moment. So that sense of, I just need a bit of time, I think it's really nice. I've run Malison as well in Charlie, yeah. because one cost ally with a nice soak. The willpower icon I found to be less useful for Charlie, because I'm not actively using willpower, but still reasonable. And the ability to just go, oh my goodness, this card is going to absolutely wipe me out. I'm dropping a clue, and resetting. It's really nice. And I'd like to run Malison too and Charlie. I think that would be really good as well. Yeah, super strong. Yeah. A plus. Yeah. And should I read the last one? Let's do it. We are on a Deciphered Reality. Four cost, five XP. Two intellect icons, one willpower icon, and naturally the insight trait. Investigate. The difficulty of this skill test is equal to the highest shroud value among revealed locations in play. If you succeed, discover one clue from each revealed location in play. This is our first 5 XP Seeker card. I don't think there was any mm. in the corset, was there? It was a... No, there wasn't. Cryptic Research was... This is only 3 four. XP, as I, as I discussed earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were quite excited at this point in the cycle, because is there, a, there was a 5 XP for everything except for Seeker? Uh, except for Survivor, wow. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rogue, sort of. Unless there was a rogue five XP card earlier on in the cycle. It's called Pocket Watch, right? Well, it's not. It's it's, it's level four technically, isn't it? It's not actually level oh, five. Oh, sorry, big one. Yeah. But it is eight XP, so it sort of fits the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Powerful card. In a way, it's a movement payoff. Bold to take here, because <laughs> you need to reveal locations to be able to get clues from them so in theory in a four-player game you move around the map and you open everything up and then boom you get everything in one go it's also the sort of card that really rewards your team understanding that you have it and you want to play it because if you do the classic thing of move to location one get a couple of clues there move to location two get a couple of clues there this is useless there are certain situations where there's a scenario where all locations start revealed great yes decide for reality turn one which is pretty good and it's also strikingly not a replacement effect so you do get an extra clue do you get the original clue hey by the way that willpower icon bottom so not coming top of the three icons yeah is a templating error but it's sometimes a sign because willpower comes first then intellect then combat then agility and then wild but it's also sometimes a, a sign that the card changed close to printing so maybe with feedback from playtesters there's a the key of this is a similar one as well where it has wild and then a willpower icon yeah and you might have added they might have added an icon late to try and just give it a bit of a boost 
That's a that's a great uh, bit of insight. I, I never knew that. It's also just possible it's early in the game and the icons got put in the wrong order. Yeah. But there is an order for icons, and it's just that sometimes there are little errors. It's a question for you, Frank. Go on. How many clues do you think it's worth uh, playing this for? Oof. It's con- it's context sensitive. I appreciate. Like it could yeah, be worth yeah. it. Inverted commas to get for one clue off one location you can't get back to. Yeah. But typically, yeah. like what kind of trade off for a full cost event? Yeah. Ignoring the fact that you've paid five XP for it, how many clues <sighs> would you like to get for that that cost? Yeah, I feel like my hunch is four straight away, but I'm also picturing playing this on in Dim Carcosa, so getting seven. <laughs> and in fact, if someone said, oh, I'm going to play Decide for Reality, and I saw that they were going to get four clues for that, I'd be like, mm, maybe five minimum? How about you? I don't think four is bad at all. Like, one cost per clue at that point. Yeah. It it, it varies well, actually, because in... Slight scenario spoilers here, but Dim Carcosa, you're wanting to clear the locations mm. rather than necessarily collecting the clues, right? Yes, yeah. So, in to an extent, it doesn't matter when you play it because you're still having the same effect. <laughs> yeah. Towards towards your resolution, uh, other yeah. scenarios you might be wanting to gather clues, um, and this will like pull clues off really distant locations, or you know maybe you're pulling clues off high a high shroud location. Naturally, yeah. you've got a, it, your test will only be at least as difficult as the highest shroud. Mm-hmm. Lost in time and space, early on, you're just making the getting locations out that sort of fill the map that you need to get to certain locations. But late in that game, you can end up spitting out locations you don't need to go to and you don't want to go to. And having a way to grab a load of clues from lots of places and then some of those locations have ways of discarding themselves, so they would discard without throwing you back into another dimension is really nice. It's, I mean, it's the ultimate clues at range card, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My first first time in the finale of Dumbledore's Legacy, there's a location called the, what, the Edge of the Universe, I think? Mm-hmm. And my friend played this there, and that felt incredible. Deciphering reality at the edge of the universe. Yeah, and then the next turn, the stubborn detective popped up. <laughs> <laughs> the most stubborn detective in the universe. Yeah, not on my watch. <laughs> we've got bigger problems here, mate. Yeah, you're coming with we're me. Just, we just deciphered reality. Yeah. <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I also pitch you a really hot take? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice in Joe as well. <laughs> I know. I keep saying yeah. this, but but yeah. like. Two, two cost, cost as opposed to four cost for yeah. even if you're getting like three clues off a two cost event that's yeah. that that doesn't feel bad at all in joe i think one of the, the the other thing that's interesting in joe is that because of the way his hunch deck works he encourages you to play this uh because it, it's it's a classic card which has a i don't know whether there's a there's a card gaming fallacy fallacy name for it it's a bit like the sunk cost fallacy you know, the same thing applies to test of will when you've got to exile it. You're like, well, mm. I'll just hold on to this because there's probably going to be a better target coming up and then no better target appears. Right. You can sometimes have deciphered reality and you're like, ooh, well, if we just, if we, if we get a couple more locations, actually this is going to be better. It's going to be more efficient, more, more value is going to be gained mm. when I play it. And yeah. then that situation never occurs and you've ended up struggling 
when you mm. had the you said to your teammate, your no, 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 don't get any clues, guys. Don't get any clues. Yeah. Don't, no, no, just wait, just wait. It's going to be really good when I get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm with you. I'm with you. To an extent, I think when this pops up on Joe's hunch deck, Joe's like, "Ooh, I've got three actions to make the most of this card. What do we do in those three actions to do it? Because then, then it's back at the bottom of the deck, and mm. I don't know when I'm going to see it again. It could be that it's still not worth playing, but I've noticed. I think Joe plays it when he can, rather than holds on to it for some ideal situation. Yes. Yeah. And hey, a card played is better than a card that you never play and end up committing to a test for two willpower icons. Two intellect icons, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think at that point that it's almost a story card where Joe's like, split up everyone! <laughs> and you know, get as many locations revealed so that he can decide for reality. It's just occurred to me that maybe you want glimpse the unthinkable or think the unglimpsable in the hunch deck. Curious. It's like a, a an interesting card draw card to put in the hunch deck for Joe. Anyway, shuffling X cards from your hand to your deck and you draw that many cards. Yeah, so level one is draw a card, shuffle any number of non-weakness cards from your hand into your deck and then draw that many. So that's just reset your hand. And then glimpse five is one cost. Shuffle any number of non-weakness cards from your hand into your deck and draw until you reach maximum hand size. Hmm. So it's draw, draw eight, but with a caveat of how many cards you want to reset. Right. The reason I thought of that, there is method to my madness. Deciphered reality is a really nice eidetic memory target. It is indeed, yes. You can play this, it's impactful, but it is a 5 XP event, so you're only using it once. In Seeker, you might be able to loot your deck. I would be surprised if you wouldn't, but you might just want to play this once and then eidetic memory and play it straight, straight away again. And if you've just... I'm imagining in multiplayer here, but if you've just got, say, six clues, you've now just got 12, if you can afford the cost. And you've, in that situation, maybe cleared locations rather than just getting, as you said, one clue from a location you're going to need to go to anyway. So that's really nice. And I was thinking about 5xp events and where to go with eidetic memory and things like that. And high-impact events in the hunch deck is really nice. It feels like, the other thing about Decipher Reality is it feels like most seekers, their role is get lots of clues, and most would be happy enough if they had the spare XP to build into this. So yeah. I feel like it sort of can, you can find an argument to include it in almost any seeker deck. Okay, we've gone long. We better yeah wrap this up. I, I think it's good though. I think this is here's here's a thought for you. Is this now? My general fe- feeling is that a lot of these seeker cards have stayed relevant and playable. Mm-hmm. In fact, super mm-hmm. relevant. Like, Shortcut, Deduction Level 2, Pathfinder, I've Got a Plan. These are not just, like, cards which are useful, which are part of the kind of picture of Seeker. Mm-hmm. They're kind of defining cards for Seeker. And some of them in a negative way, <laughs> as we discussed, yeah. like, with I've Got a Plan. Do you think that there was a... Some of these feel so iconic because of the strong class identity of Seeker right out of the core set? Yeah, good question. Hard I think to that, answer exactly. And yeah. what, what's also interesting is that there's some core set cards, core set cards for Seeker, which have a strong class identity, but don't feel as iconic as some of the cards in this first cycle. Like you listed some earlier, like Encyclopedia. Yeah, Barricade, Mind of Barricade, Matter. Mind of a Matter, yeah. Cards which actually we, we played a lot at the time, but have really fallen out of favour in a way that the cards in this first cycle haven't. I wonder if there's a 
part of the role of Dunwich was to really expand each class. And one of the things they needed to address with Seeker was how do you play solo Seeker? So you get a bunch of cards that support you with that, while also fleshing out some of the class identity around movement, clues, card draw. But as a result, you get this combination of... And and to be fair, it's not like Seeker were the best solo class at this point. They just got a few more ways of dealing damage, which was much needed at the time. It's just yeah. that unfortunately... It's almost like if we had more of a rotation in the game or something like that, maybe there would be cards that now get retired that the class doesn't need as much but they were very important and became staples because of the time at which they came out you've dropped the dreaded r word in there <laughs> rotation yeah. yeah yeah i it's not something i need or i'm clamoring for in the game but just you know th- reflecting on it now like the 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 point you made about seeker have actually got more elegant damage options since i've got a plan yeah or, or rather like not even more elegant, like more class appropriate, more thematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if kind of on paper they're as good, they feel more in keeping with the the class identity and 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 the kind of balance of the game as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, genuinely. I think if 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 you flick through the cards, what have you looked at so far? Guardian and Survivor. Mm-hmm. Are there many cards across? this cycle that you think are as iconic as something like Shortcut? No, not many. Peter Sylvester. Yeah, Peter Sylvester probably, and then maybe like Ritual Candles, obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't know, may- may- maybe a handful of others, a, a small Black number Jack. of others. Fire Axe. <laughs> Black Jack. Even worse than Ritual Candles. Yeah. Stand together. Yeah, stand together. Fire Axe and... Yeah, Fire Axe and Dark Horse kind of... Yeah, and interestingly, are you saying they're more iconic because you've probably played more Seeker? I don't think so, no. Okay. It, it it strikes me that Shortcut is a card that you put in your deck when you've, when you've got the option to. You mentioned it as a mark card. Yeah. You, the, the, you, you joked about it and you said, well, actually, no, it's a really good card to have in mark. Yeah, it's a really good mark card. Yeah, that's a, that's a I, legit time when he can take it and he should. As opposed to I've Got a Plan, which is also tactic traded but probably not a good mark card because you're switching from your five combat to your two intellect. And then when we look at investigators like Finn or or the other Dunwich investigators, Shortcut's never a bad pick for, for any of those as, yeah. a, as an out-of-faction yeah. card to include. And this is that issue that we've run into before, that if part of the Seeker class identity is get clues, move, draw cards, those are things that all of the like classes want to key do pillars of the game yeah yeah you need to move around you need to get clues and probably you want to draw cards to do it and that then is like no wonder shortcut is everywhere it's a card that lets you do that so great i think there's there's maybe an argument you could say that seeker should never find cards except by investigating never find clues yes that's what i meant yeah. <laughs> it's been a long record Seeker yeah, should never find yeah, yeah clues except by investigating because that mm-hmm. ties their their stats into what they their, their kind of core ability and then the, the the other factions are the ones whose clue finding abilities tie yeah. into their yeah in, into what like scene of scene of the cream scene yeah of the hunch i don't think it's a problem card by any stretch but is working a hunch too good <laughs> i was thinking about this i was thinking about this before like you can buy a 
clue for two resources by playing art student, seeker. Playing scene of the crime just gets you a clue if you just play it. Costs you two. Intel report, pay two, get a clue. Read the signs, pay two, get a clue or two clues. So there's Mm. ways of doing it in every class now. But is the fact it's pay two fast, get a clue? Should it be pay three, get a clue? Hey, you know who likes that card? Joe Diamond. Pop it in the hunch deck. Pop it in the hunch deck. Yeah. I wouldn't mind playing Joe again. No, you'll, like you'll swiftly remember why you, why you don't like playing Joe. <laughs> all, my prediction for what will happen is you'll play two games and you go, oh yeah, I'm really frustrated with his four stats in his two main areas. Oh no, I've, I feel like I'm quite good with that and just build a sort of real stat ball of intellect and combat. And just don't fail test. Like 2662 <laughs> and then just try not to draw any treacheries. Yeah. Do you have any standouts from these cards? Well, for, to answer that question, I'm going to talk about a standout that I've enjoyed playing rather than that I think about power, and that's Dr. William T. Mellison. Ah, oh, the lad, yeah. Nice little alternative to Dr. Milan, which I think was much needed. Great in solo, and lovely stat line and just lovely decision points, and it's great to see him get an upgrade as well. How about you, Peter? I think for the most part... This was just kind of coming to my mind as I asked you the question, so I gave myself time to form this into a into a thought. Half form, formed thought, yeah. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> baked, part baked, like one of those little bread rolls you get. I think there's a high proportion of good cards for the Seekers mm. here. I yeah. said yesterday, I think I've already, already said this on this cast, I think there's only two bad cards. Mm-hmm. Which are Explore's Weakness weakness and something else. Seeking Answers. Seeking Answers. And all of I think most of the good cards are kind of boringly good. They're just good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So that kind of makes sense where I'm coming from. So to answer the question, what's my favourite card? I'm going to go with, I think, the other interesting good card, which is Deciphered Reality. Mm. Wow. Lost in Time and Space. Nailing it there for us. Yeah, I think Deciphered Reality kind of really, it's its a fun card. It feels earned, which is good. It feels good yeah. and earned. It feels worth it. And also, there's a lot of kind of player agency in how you get the most value out of that as well. Yes, yeah, there really is. Feeling earned, that's, that's so important to the experience of the game. And that's the balancing act between power and fun isn't it yeah often earning something feels fun yeah we, we, i mean did we did we do an episode on overpower cards at one point and we, that was the kind of conclusion we came to there yeah and what is overpowered how do we judge a card to be overpowered so on and so forth i also think deciphered reality has not that it didn't have life in it but it, it's maybe a little bit of a new lease on life with the butterfingers builds mm-hmm that, that leave a you... little trail of clues That's everywhere right, you've yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> little breadcrumbs and then decipher reality. Who can take Seeker 5 and is also Butterfingersing? Well, good question. Good question. I is don't it know. Rex Murphy, the reporter? It could be, because Rex's ability really ties into that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Picking up an extra clue. Ooh. I've not built I've not built that deck, but I think. Butterfingers, the two investigators who spring to mind are Daryl and, for some reason, I don't know why Daryl in particular, <laughs> but, but Daryl and Roland. 
He's mm. new, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but... Neither can take deciphered reality. So... Neither of them can take deciphered reality. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Great great chat. Glad we got to that point. <laughs> yeah, we, but, need no, a, I, we need a pure seeker who can do it. Yeah. I, I think, no, the I reason Daryl likes Butterfingers is, is, is because he likes to pick up clues to get evidence for the Hawkeye folding camera. So having a way of dropping clues to ensure that you can pick up a clue from every location to get your evidence is good. Yes. And also research notes is evidence. So yes. dropping clues gives him another form of evidence in there. That's right, That's, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it turns his elder sign directly into a into an extra clue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for it, the thing about Butterfingers that isn't apparent on dropping clues is that some of the cards have evidence, so it's a Daryl evidence thing that happens to be fueled by dropping clues. Well, okay. Th- are we done? Is there a Monterey Jack deciphered reality? That's my thought. Lots of movement ah, to unlock the map. Yes. Yeah. Ursula yeah, yeah. or Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of good Jack cards in this set, though, isn't there? Short curtain Pathfinder. Mm hmm. Very maybe nice. Maybe not seeking. Maybe seeking answers? I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Seeking answers. What? Yeah, it's pos- it is possible. Anything's possible. Okay, well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, designed by humans. We're on Twitch as drawn to the flame once a month at least. And also on Patreon. Thank you to all our patrons for supporting the cast. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, so uh, I'm just going to differ from the usual here for a second. <laughs> One of our patrons has organised a printing of the parallel cards. Mm. I can't remember the, the spe- there was a lot of debate about specifically what is included in that. So it's all of the, the print and play uh, scenarios, read and mm-hmm. die, and all the, all them lot, and then the, the the alternate fronts for the parallel investigators. And he he, he organised the printing off, so we all paid him a bit of cash, and then he sent them out to us after some some confusion. And he addressed mine to um, United Everywhere, <laughs> which confused my wife when she collected the post from the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> Um, so I am United Everywhere <laughs> on uh, Twitter and Discord and Reddit and Steam. And then I'm on Instagram as d.unitled. So yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter. That's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. And I'm around the place as Zoe Glass and Zozo. Say hello as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>